You're listening to an episode of the Zag Episode here. Excited to be joined by a 2021, a brand new NLC fellow in Orlando. Christina Kuss is here. We're going to talk a little bit about mental health awareness, what you can do to advocate for your own mental health. Glad she can join us to talk about this important topic. Let's get to it. All right, Christina, um, thanks so much for coming on. Always exciting to talk to 2021 fellows. I feel like as the country is hopefully getting more uh, vaccinated and ready to possibly start reopening in a little bit um, of normalcy, folks are probably starting to, to sort of analyze and assess what the last 12 months has been like for them, especially when it comes to, to mental health. How are you thinking through and processing this one-year anniversary mark for so many folks having to go into pandemic life for the first time? Well, for me, I personally live with bipolar anxiety and PTSD. And I know and I hope others know that it's okay not to be okay. And so this past year, people have spent a lot of time with themselves. And sometimes that can be difficult. So and it could be a push to maybe realize I should talk to someone. And um, I'm hoping that people do. And in terms of what you are seeing and hearing, because like I said, so much of the, the month of March, I think, will be one-year anniversaries and people being existential and thinking about what these 12 months have meant. How are you seeing what the media is doing? How are you seeing how the media is representing mental health? Well, so far, the news, they put an emphasis on mental health um, when it's good for them. They like to just drop it in as something um, that people are experiencing, but they don't really offer any solutions except for putting kids back into classrooms. Um, that's about all I'm seeing right now. Um, I'm overall in the past few years, media has gotten better with their representation of mental health. I know that the first time I saw myself, my journey with mental illness represented, it was in Amazon Prime's um, Modern Love, Anne Hathaway plays a character that has bipolar. And when I watched that, I was like, that's my life. Uh, someone gets it. That's a good sign. And then in terms of the stigma that, that still is very persistent with, with folks thinking about their own mental health or for folks trying to seek out access to mental health services, what, what kind of stigma pieces are you feel like are the most um, consistently there that we really should think even even harder about trying to eradicate? So there's just a general public stigma of having mental illness or seeking treatment for it. People are viewed as weak or weird or other because of their illness. And that gets exacerbated when people use ableist language, um, saying, oh, that's insane, or my ex-girlfriend is so crazy, or I'm so OCD, or the weather is so bipolar today. The weather isn't bipolar today. It's not hypersexual. It's not spending wild amounts of money. It's not having an extreme low. It's the weather and it changes. Yeah, absolutely. And then in terms of how you think through you know, ways that have been successful for you uh, to to battle against the stigma that you might be encountering in, in, in the outside world, but also to, to, to motivate yourself to and be an advocate for your own mental health, what, what kind of things have been successful for you? So I try to live boldly with my illnesses. I look to the example of Carrie Fisher, who for decades lived as kind of an ambassador for people who have bipolar. And she didn't hide it. She didn't apologize for it. She just acknowledged that it was there. She handled it and she lived her boss life. And 
I try to reflect that in my own life and I'm open about my treatment. I'm open with friends and family. I'm out at work. Um, not the whole 900 people in my department know that I have mental illness, but um, my close group um, know that I live with mental illness and I'm really lucky. This boss that I have now, she knows that I may need to take a beat and she's fine with that and she's supportive and she recommended when I should get my FMLA paperwork filled out um, and that's been really great. Um, I was out at a different job and I was in a low point and not really up for playing office politics. My work was fine, um, but I had a boss say, well, it sounds like you're using your bipolar as an excuse. And that just, it felt like a stab to my heart. I just, I, I couldn't believe she threw those words at me. Mm -hmm. And so I know that it's hard to come to the decision that you're going to be open with people about your mental illness. But if we're going to fight stigma, we have to start somewhere. And that's sharing. When we come back with Christina, we'll... Uh, stay on this incredibly important topic of mental health and advocating for yourself. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Uh, Christina, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and we were chatting a little bit before we started, I felt like you had a really helpful uh, phrasing for how folks should reconsider the idea of approaching their, their mental health. You, you you felt like there was a better way to think about, quote unquote, getting, getting help. Uh, can you share folks with what you're think is a better approach to that phrase? So I want people to know that getting help isn't a weakness. It's honoring themselves. And it's a journey. It's it's hard to do. Um, but when you go out there, you'll find your people. They're out there waiting for you. And not every therapist and not every psychiatrist is the right fit for every person. I personally have gone through at least five psychiatrists until I finally found one that I really connected with, um, that I felt saw me and listened to my concerns. Um, and it's not fun. It's not fun making appointments and spilling your guts again to a stranger. It's draining. It's hard. It's exhausting. But if you keep looking, you'll find your team and they want to help you. And Speaking of teams, it's always exciting to talk to folks who are presently in their NLC Institute experience. I know we're only two months in of about a five, six month journey here with the NLC Institute, but I'd love to hear some initial thoughts that you've had about the experience. What kind of things have surprised you? What kind of things have stood out as, as a very uh, useful and exciting experience? Sure. Um, I think that I was a little nervous, apprehensive at first because we're the first totally virtual cohort um, and I was worried we wouldn't connect well. Um, but lead weekends, you know, you do those um, stories of your lives and people were super vulnerable and honest and shared everything. Um, I shared my mental illness with my cohort and um, they were receptive and respectful. And I feel so connected to these people that I've only seen on Zoom calls and in our group meetings. And um, it's really exciting to be in a group of people that are like minded, um, especially I live right now in Marion County, which is very rural and um, very 
conservative. And I'm so excited that I have a place to go to connect with people who think like me in some ways, because we're not all cutouts, but um, who share similar values. And um, I'm just so excited to have this opportunity. It's It's been so awesome. Wonderful. Well, we're excited to have you in this year's class and, of course, excited to have you in the NLC network going forward. And thanks so much for coming on. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Zag. Make sure you download and subscribe so you can catch all the wonderful conversations we have with progressives across the country. Lots of episodes up in all the places that you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud. They're all there. Check them out. And until next time, we'll catch you soon.